and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. a lot to live up to. <laughs> Thank you. Good. I have been asking the Lord what I should share, and so uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter 17, and I'll bounce off there. So if you have your Bibles, if you go there, always good to get into the Word straight away. It will stay, and I will go. So Acts chapter 17 is where Paul is speaking. Many years ago, when I was much, much younger, I was hitchhiking around Europe and staying at youth hostels and making friends as I went. And I met some friends in Venice and others in Rome and others in other places. And uh, we all attached to each other. And although we didn't plan our next destinations where we would meet, we kept meeting each other. And it was... Looking back over the many months that I travelled Europe, I would see the same faces and the same people and be together. And the time in Greece was very odd. I didn't think I was very happy, but I was wrong. I was actually quite happy. And I realised that when I looked at the photos. We often had taken photos of each other uh, at sunset when we were all golden and Everything was great. And I can remember during that time feeling lonely or feeling empty or feeling flat. But when I looked at the photos, I thought, hasn't it been a great time? And I didn't realize. And that was a wake-up call that has blessed me all my life, that there are times in your life that you don't realize how good they are until they've changed. And you look back and you think, that was actually a very good time. Because you might just have your radio station tuned to grump and it doesn't mean things aren't going well for you just recently I had a house guest who was continually grumpy and you couldn't make that person feel happy no matter what you did everything was regarded with a jaundiced eye and the cup was always half empty and the restaurants were never quite up to scratch and uh, they left unhappy but I realised that It was the way they were tuned, that they basically didn't have a grateful heart. Uh, First world spoiled brat. You know, if you were in Aleppo or Mosul or somewhere else, Iraq, Iran, you have a very different view of life. And often we're blessed and we just don't know how blessed we are. I remember being in Mars Hill in Athens, in uh, what's uh, the, the marketplace there, the Agora, and visiting the place where the Apostle Paul preached from a place called the Bema, which means the judgment seat, and realizing what a brave man he must have been because he stood next to the slave market, uh, market 
where people were in chains and there he preached about redemption and freedom from slavery. And he also preached what we now have in our Bibles as Acts chapter 17. And Mars Hill interests me because my own name is Mark, Marcus or Mark, which comes from Ares, who was Mars, the god of war. And Mars Hill is named after him, but the Ares is why it's called the Areopagus. And there was a man there uh, who was part of a council over Athens, and they had to decide who was preaching sedition or political unrest. And the Apostle Paul uh, was under suspicion as a person who was preaching trouble and might be undermining the state. And one of the judges uh, got saved because Paul preached. And it was strange climbing the hill thinking he was here, uh, walking the paths, looking around, looking at the ruins of the shops and thinking he was here. And I climbed up on one of the ruins and there I found a scripture that said, I do not count the present sufferings worthy to be compared with the glories that will follow. And I thought, how amazing history has marched on, time has marched on, buildings that looked as if they would stand forever are gone. The empire that looked as if it couldn't be broken has been broken. In fact, all of Europe is littered with fallen empires. Everywhere I went, I saw uh, nations lamenting the death of their empire, the British Empire. I can remember when I went to school and they showed us the map and said, all the red bits are ours. I went to a very British school. And, uh, but then if you're in, in Greece, you hear all about the Greek Empire. If you're in Russia, the Holy Roman Empire, uh, the Holy uh, Russian Empire. If you're in Rome, the Roman Empire, uh, Spain, the Spanish Empire, everywhere wanted to be world rulers. And they had demons that helped them. And so much so, the Apostle Paul said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against world rulers. And the desire to rule the world and be the center of world government uh, has demonic help, which presently works very strongly through the EU and various horrible things that are happening in Europe. And I know that humans want peace, but I also know that there are evil spirits and an evil devil that wants people to unify around the wrong things and to be cruel to other people and have a very strong in and out group. So everywhere that I went in Europe, I was aware of the world rulership and world government and the death of world government and the monuments to those who fell during the wars. And it's still happening. Last time I spoke to you, I spoke about the last days and the end of the age, and I said, according to Second Timothy uh, 3 and 4, we are facing what the Bible calls perilous times, fierce times. And I mentioned to you that you live behind a shield and you're safe. But here where Paul is preaching to the Areopagites or the people that are on this hill, Mars Hill, he finds a, an altar to the unknown God, which has got a story itself, and he says, I've come to announce him to you, not the idols. So I'll read you part of it from verse 23. And Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. 
What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Remembering he's standing amongst the temples when he does it. In fact, one of the places closest to him was the temple of Apollo, man at his finest and best, the sun god. God who made the the Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself has given to all, has given life and breath and all things. And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they should seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each of us for in him we live and move and exist and even some of your own poets have said for we also are his offspring Being then the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. There were golden images in quite a few of the places there, including uh, what we now call the Parthenon on top of the hill. And the same building was standing. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, We shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus the Areopagite, that's the one I mentioned to you, and a woman named Damaris and others with him. While he's preaching to them, he reminds them that God has appointed certain things. He's preset certain things. And I believe in the sovereignty of man and the sovereignty of God. I believe that God has given human beings a tremendous power to enforce their own will and to make appointments. But the great God above all gods, the one who created the universe, has also made appointments. And in this passage he says God has appointed a place for habitations of nations, the places where they would dwell, and their boundaries. That's very interesting when you look at world events and think things look as if they're out of control. But no one and nothing is out of control. God is still the king of the flood, and he has set the boundaries of men and nations. ISIS doesn't set the boundaries. The British Empire doesn't set the boundaries. The Roman Empire doesn't set the boundaries. The Greek Empire doesn't set the boundaries. And nor do we. God has arranged the boundaries of men and nations and the places where they should live. It's a very interesting thought. And especially when you begin to read the prophets and see God saying things like, bless my people Egypt. And I think of Egypt that used to have 20% Christians, and now they've got under 1% Christians. And I think, isn't that interesting? Uh, But it's not the end. It's not the end. 
uh, in a fight, particularly in the boxing ring. It's the last round that counts. You can lose a few rounds and still win the fight. You can lose a few battles and still win the war. And things are not the way they seem. And they're not that way for men and nations either. God has made appointments, and we keep the appointments. And the appointments are real whether we know it or not. And uh, David knew this. David said, before there was one of my days, they were all written in your book, Psalm 139. In Psalm 31, verse 15, he said, my times are in thy hands. And I'm very aware that while we plan, uh, that's one thing. Anyone can plan, but the Lord decides your steps. And there are appointments for you. One thing that has blessed me, and I've taught it here, and I've believed it for years, and I still believe it, I believe that God has got appointments for you, uh, decrees, appointments, arrangements of what he wants to bring you into and give you. And they're called high places. And both in Habakkuk and in Psalms, the Bible says, God gives me hinds feet so that I might stand upon my high places. Not high places generally, but my high places. There are high places for you that are yours. They've got your name on them. They're assigned to you. They're your destiny. And God makes you able to go to the mountainous places where your high places are. And there are certain moments in your life when you find yourself in your destiny, in your place, saying, this is one of my high places. God always knew it. I just discovered it. It is fantastic. Uh, the house I thought I had in Cairns has fallen down. Uh, so The deal has gone off. So I can't have it, but I don't mind because God is looking at the place he has appointed for me. I've got five couples coming to stay and some hitchhikers coming to stay. So I need a place and the Lord knows it. Now, if I die before then, I won't have a worry in the world. But if I move into it and stand in my high place and welcome some of you in for meals, uh, we will laugh together and say, what a God we serve. There's another appointment in Acts 17. It says, God has appointed a man. And he's appointed him to be the righteous judge of the whole world. And I believe that. I don't believe Christianity is just one religion amongst thousands of others. I believe it's the only true one. And because I believe that, and I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back, the Bible says in Acts 3, whom the heavens must receive until the appointed time of refreshing. I believe there is a particular day appointed in which Jesus will return. And there's a day of judgment that is appointed when Jesus himself will be the righteous judge. No one will be judged unrighteously. They will only be judged righteously. Sometimes Christians say, oh, I don't know about this judgment teaching because what about those who never heard or what about those who misunderstood? Well, you've only got a drop of mercy. God's got a notion of it. You've only got a drop of righteousness. God has got a perfect understanding of it. No one will ever be misjudged. He's the righteous judge. He's not just a judge. He's not the unjust judge. He's the righteous judge. And uh, we can trust him to judge correctly. But then there's this marvelous thing that the Bible teaches in John chapter 5, that whoever believes uh, has already passed from death to life and shall not see judgment. I believe that if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, judgment is taken away. 
Now, that's an amazing thought because it's terrifying to face judgment for all your secrets and all the things you've ever done and no excuse will work. And yet the Bible says all of us will give an account of ourselves before God, and it's true. But the wonderful thing is that your sins are blotted out and washed away, and you'll never stand before God with a list of your sins read to you if you have accepted Christ. It's gone. The judge will come for sure. He'll give rewards for service. There will still be another judgment, the judgment of rewards, but it won't be for good and bad deeds. It will just be rewards. So I, I believe there's two kinds of judgment. There's judgment for sin that you've escaped from if you're a believer, and there's judgment of rewards for service where various crowns are given that we lay at his feet and say, I thank God I had a chance to honor my God by doing this. And there are many crowns talked about in the Bible that we lay at his feet. We used to sing, when I get to heaven, going to put on my crown, going to dance all over God's heaven. It was rubbish because you don't wear the crowns and you don't dance in heaven with your crown on. You lay it at his feet and you say, Thou art worthy to receive all glory, all honor, all power. Your honor is that you get the crown to lay at his feet, not you get it to wear it uh, for yourself. But uh, anyway, so I go back to Acts 17. And I love this thought of God's righteous decree planning things. And uh, that's the main emphasis I want to bring today is that God knew there was a time for, he, for me to move out and move on, and I've come to it. And he knew there was a time to bring me to Lisa, and I came. And I thank God for the people who God knew were waiting here to be my friends and my, to be their friends. I thank God for our time together, but I also know you've got to grow up and you've got to move on. You've got to go to your And uh, when I was at school, I can remember what we called the primers, they were great days because it was basically nursery school and then or kindergarten and you go from there to another level and another level intermediate school then you go to high school then you go to college then you go to university they're all transitions and we're in a day of great transitions not just me personally all of us and I believe there are transitions taking place at the moment that are earth shattering transitions. Just in the last 10 years, the changes that have accelerated everywhere, and some of them quite unexpected, uh, the new norm is all about sudden change. And it's great to know it's not chaotic and that there are appointments. The Bible says God foreknew you before he even got around to creating the world. That is amazing. He said to Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. Not, I know you now. He said, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. That, that's amazing. And then we remember in Psalm 139 that he says, uh, before there was one of my days written in your book, you knew it. I read in the book of Revelations that Jesus said, I was the one who lived and died and rose again, and I hold the keys of life and death. And I think, oh, God, I'm so glad the devil doesn't hold them. He knows when you're coming home. And he knows when to bless you with anything. I, I can look at pivotal times in my life when somebody walked in, I had no idea their significance. I had no idea how their flavor was going to affect me. It was like cooking soup and you put a herb in and another herb and everything changes. 
and there's a meld, there's a melange. And that same thing happens in your life because there is a shepherd shepherding your life who has made appointments. It's just real. For example, uh, you saw the picture of me as a hippie. I used to protest and I was an atheist. I was on the radio saying that there was no God and that anyone who believed in a God was dangerous. But I had an appointment. And I kept the appointment. Uh, I didn't know it was coming. God brought me to the appointment. And there are times that you don't go out to meet the decree of God. It comes after you. Adam didn't go out looking for Eve. God brought Eve to her, to him. And uh, 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 Paul says, I was apprehended for the purpose of God. It overtook me. He uses the word meaning to come from behind and tug at somebody's robe. In other words, the purpose of God came and got me. And I see the same thing in Deuteronomy 28. It says, all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee. You're traveling at 60 miles an hour and the blessing's traveling at 80 miles an hour. So you get overtaken and you don't go after the blessing. The blessing's chasing you. And I believe that there are appointments that are chasing you. So I remember being at a university where some friends who are non-Christians like me uh, decided they would come and expose me. They would disturb the meeting. 600 of them turned up and they came to have a little bit of a riot and I was to give my testimony. I prayed and I said, Lord, you shut the lion's mouths for Daniel. Could you shut their mouths for me? And he did. And uh, they'd come to shout and disturb the meeting. They didn't. You could have heard a pin drop. Some of them got saved. And there was a man in the meeting whose name was Murray Thompson. Murray had been an evangelist in the Solomon Islands and had been one of the key leaders of the Solomon Island revival in the late 60s, early 70s. And he came and saw me and said, if you come with me, I'll train you. And so after the meeting, I went with him. I ended up moving into their house in Auckland and traveling around. Now, he ministered in Baptist and Brethren and Pentecostal and non-Pentecostal Catholic Protestant meetings all over New Zealand. And that chance meeting opened a door of ministry for me that I would never have come across. Much later on, uh, that gave me a vision of the body of Christ because I began to see Christians of different flavors in every case and to see that God had his people on many paddocks on the farm. One farm, but many paddocks. But much later on, uh, there was an evangelist who came to Christ Church whose name was um, Clark Taylor. And Clark and I loved each other when we met each other. And he invited me over to speak at a youth camp, and so did another man, David, somebody, forgotten his name now, at Toowoomba. Anyway, I came over, not knowing what that was going to be. But see, God had an appointment. And uh, so I came over, and Clark was just starting what was to become Christian Outreach Centre. This was now about 1974 or 5. It was just starting. We only had two or three churches, I think. And we had a great youth camp. I remember the youth bought me a new suit. Uh, And I used to wear it with bare feet because I was still half hippie. Um, That was back in the days when men wore safari suits. Do you remember those? 
But anyway, Clark had it in his mind that what he should do is have a video Bible college. And so I did 80, 40-minute videos of Proverbs and uh, Paul's letters and so on. And he did uh, his 80 videos also uh, on faith and moving and miracles. And all the new converts from the movement uh, went through the Video Bible College uh, once a week. They had 40 minutes of me, 40 minutes of Clark. And as our churches grew, that went everywhere through. I moved off to Europe, but when I came back, had another meeting with another man that changed my life, a man called Floyd McClung, who was with Youth with Mission, and that opened doors all over Europe and America and elsewhere. But when I came back to Australia, uh, it was as if I'd never left because people had been listening once a week, and I was now an established Bible teacher uh, in the place, and so I had a home. I had a spiritual home to come back to. In time, uh, he committed adultery and was dismissed from his leadership position and so all his videos were destroyed and so were mine because I was seen to be too close to him but again God was involved what seems to be a reversal can often be an advancement what seems to be a destructive thing can sometimes be God at work bringing you to your next appointment and so if you want to read that if you read um Genesis 35 through to 40, you'll read all about Joseph being mistreated by his brothers until he finally gets to a place where he says to them, you meant it to me for harm, but God meant it to me for good. And God brought him to his appointed place by putting him in prison. And the same thing happened to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was out obeying God, and he had following a call to Macedonia. He'd had a divine dream, vision, calling him there but he had to get put in jail on his journey so that he could lead the jailer and his whole household to the Lord. And uh, in your life, there are divine appointments. In the same way that God foreknew that he would save you before the foundation of the world, Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Your name was known to God before the foundation of the world. There are many appointments in your life that are on track that God will bring you into. And that gives you tremendous security. I'm not talking about fate. I don't believe in fate. But I believe in appointments. I believe in divine appointments. And persons, people, events in your life that you didn't see coming, but God always knew he had them aside for you. I remember once I was speaking at an Anglican camp, and there was a boy there that was, in those days, they called them retarded. Today they call them special needs. He had intellectual difficulties. But very often God speaks through people like this because their hearts are open. And the boy said to me, he said, when God asks you to give money that you don't think you have and can't afford to give, he already knows when he's going to put it in your hands. He knows it's not unreasonable to ask you to donate that amount. For you it's a surprise, but for him it's no surprise because he knows everything from the very beginning. All this from a boy that was regarded as not very bright. But whenever God's made that possible or whenever God's brought me into something that I thought I couldn't do, I think, no wonder this boy understood a principle in God that God has appointments. 
and that they're not just theoretical, they're not just poetry, they're not something we just talk ourselves into. They're very real, very concrete, and when they happen, you know it must be God because it's just so perfectly perfect. It's so well arranged. You're walking on prepared ground. You're walking on prepared ground. You don't know where your ministry will take you. You can plan, you can network, you can do all the schmoozing and things that you think are going to work and God can just breathe on it and it can all disappear overnight. But he can do the opposite too. He can raise people from the dunghill and make them sit with princes. And uh, in the Bible, I'll start closing down now, but I'll continue on later. Uh, In the Bible, there was a man called Nebuchadnezzar who was awfully proud. And God had him out eating grass like an animal. And when he came to his senses, he said, I know something about God. This is in Daniel chapter 2. He said, I know something about God. He sets kings up and he takes them down. And nobody can stop his hand when he wants to do something. Now, that's my God. Now, the reason why I keep on emphasizing this, you could be terrified by the news on the radio or the TV if you don't remember God is sovereign. You could be frightened if you don't know there's a divine plan. If you don't know that God is able to bring you to an expected end and a hope that cannot be cut off. And I believe that. So I believe for the day of the Lord's return. I believe in your return for heaven. I believe in divine appointments all your life long, just the way they happen for me. Your appointments are your appointments. Mine are mine. But if you fully follow the Lord with your whole heart, and if I do the same, we will find ourselves walking at unity with each other without trying. Uh, It will just happen. Because the Bible says they shall see and flow together to the goodness of the Lord. You just walk in obedience to however the Holy Spirit prompts you. I'll do the same. And we will find that we have heart unity as a direct result. Unity is not the result of mutually compromising until there's the lowest common denominator. Uh, The result of that is a lukewarm church. And when you have a lukewarm church not following the Holy Spirit, it's never long before we start fighting again. But you follow the Holy Spirit, you have victory levels in your life you never knew that you could ever have. The Chinese have a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I believe in that. When I was in Japan, I was on a train, and somebody came up to me and they made a statement. I've written it down because I don't speak Japanese. It was ichi go ichi e. And it means one time, one meeting, this transient moment of meeting may have a long-lasting significance. You just meet somebody, you're unaware of what just happened, but something important happened, uh, a divine appointment. And I've seen that happen again and again. I was in a bookstore just recently, a young Danish backpacker there, and uh, I just knew that it was a divine appointment, so I went up and told him. And uh, he's coming to stay with me in cans in the house that I don't have yet. <laughs> and it's wonderful. It's wonderful how God can bring people into your lives. Tell you one last story. Don't listen for new points. It's the same point. That God has got appointments. 
and he's got decrees. He's got events in your life that are from him. Many, many years ago, some of you know the story, years ago, there was a fellow I met, his name was Peter Trichardus. He was Greek. He was in the Assemblies of God in Lower Hutt in New Zealand uh, under Frank Houston, and we met, and we liked each other. He got married, his marriage fell to bits, uh, but he was a nice guy. But years passed, and I thought to myself, that was unfinished business. That was a divine appointment. Something is going on here that uh, isn't over. So I sent a, a postcard to his dead parents. Um, I didn't have to address it to heaven or hell. I just sent it to their old earthly address. And somebody sent it on. And for three years it traveled around the world until it arrived in Piraeus. People kept sending it on and on and on until it got to Peter Trichardus, who had now moved to Piraeus and inherited a place from his uncle. He wasn't at all surprised to get the postcard because he said, I always believed a time would come when you would just walk in through my door. Because God finishes what he starts. And uh, there's stuff in your life that's unfinished. And all the huffing and puffing and sweating and straining is not going to help you finish. Just surrender back into the hand that guides all things and the God who works all things after the counsel of his will. And God can bring you to your appointed end and to your high places and to the appointments that he has set for you. God bless you. Come on, that was, that was a, uh, an amazing word. Let's thank him once again.